the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am Spud Goodman. Spud <laughs> man. I'm laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> and I am willing to go out on a limb here and say we have a really good show for you if you hang around. I mean, sure, you probably have way better options for your time as I know myself. I could be doing something that would be, you know, better for me too. But there are moments in life where you have to toss aside logic and just have some fun, right? Here's the deal. So let me introduce our show's designated laugher, my aunt Dorothy. Can you give us a halfway decent chuckle? Sure. Here you go. (laughs) Thank you. Great job. Really? Yeah, like I said, good job. Um, actually, you said great job. Okay, fine. Great job, then. Are we good? We are now. Okay, now, I'm required to introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Just acknowledge my acknowledgement so we can move on here and get things going. Okay, well... Uh, I just want to express to our listeners how excited I am. Can, can we just go the- ahead and stipulate that you are excited about this episode? Yeah. And also want to do the right thing. And, and let me get going here. Like I've said so many times, there is no I in team. Yeah. Oh, okay, I am Gerald Holcomb, and I'm really excited about I said about the- there's no I. But, but, but thank you for making the morally correct decision. Now I need to announce the presence of our show's intern, Chance. He's supposed to be the... You know, I, I I just I just can't read this copy I was given about about you supposedly being so popular uh, by management. I, I just will not be a party to spreading misinformation and falsehoods. Uh, it's all fake news. No problem. I'll just introduce myself. Hello, my name is Chance, and I'm this show's intern. But more importantly, and yeah, kind of surprisingly, the most popular person on this thing. I'm proud of the title, but. What does it say that an intern is like more than the host? By a lot, I should say. The listener survey says it all. People love me. I love you! Yes, they do, honey, but maybe you should temper the the self-praise. Everyone is aware of how well-loved you are. You know, Chance, you're starting to resemble one of those dictators who brag 24-7 how great they are. You are so full of yourself. I'm Teddy Powers! If you say so, I am confident in the truth. Uh, Chance, you know, I graciously gave up my airtime to the show to get things going. We just started this episode, and it is not helpful if you choose to use airtime to further promote your popularity. Okay, go ahead and start the show. Uh, That is very magnanimous of you. 
Okay, then. What I wanted to discuss was a yeah, topic I'm, that... Yeah, I'm sorry, Spud, but there is a topic that I wanted to discuss, at what? least for a moment, as I think it's something that many, many people can relate to. It, it will resonate with them for sure. Mm. Oh, that is terrific. You want to override the topic I selected. It better be super interesting, dude. Well, I feel it is because after discovering how it has damaged my career to this point, I know I am one of millions of others that have been victimized by this this behavior. It's called breadcrumbing. I, I, yeah, I Bread read about crumbing? this in a magazine while I was at my dentist's office, and I, I think it was in Red Book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's mostly a woman's magazine, but it has a lot of good articles. And this, anyway, this bread crumbing article was mostly about how men lead on women and waste their time while having no intent of committing to a long term relationship. And I think the younger people call this being a player, but it also covered how this breadcrumbing can impact one's careers too. You know, uh, having a boss who keeps hinting that someday career advancement's a possibility when in reality it was never a possibility. Uh, well, number one, I'm not your boss. I mean, yeah, I am the host of this program, but I can't fire you. If that was the case, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Gerald, you're going to go with that breadcrumbing angle to explain why you're at a dead end career wise? Well, I don't remember Spud ever remotely hinting that someday you would take over this show. It never happened. Thank you, Aunt Dorothy. I may be a lot of things, but I don't breadcrumb. Yes! Oh, I would strongly disagree. I can remember on many occasions when you've threatened to quit as host of this show, and I believed you each time. And then, of course, it never happened. So I have had on many, many conversations with my wife about this as she questioned why I would remain in the position of co-host as I uh, never... Temporary co-host. Temporary permanent co-host and i've always told her that you were unhappy with your position and duties as host of this program and could quit at any time <laughs> well it's been going on eight years and i've been in my current position and as pleased as i am to be the co-host i do have greater dreams you know come on y'all uh, again temporary co-host yeah well again temporary permanent co-host so would you be willing Right now, live on the air, commit to a timetable of when you might leave the show and open up your host role. That would be a fair compromise. And uh, listen, I know it won't happen like this month, but just knowing that someday soon I could assume my rightful position, it, well, it would it would really help me out morale-wise. Good to know, but I have no comment on my retirement at this time. Now let me play some music. Let's start it off with this song by the Seattle band Lohums, who have performed live on our show in the past. This one is titled Sunflowers of Doom off their 2017 release, Night Magic Wine. Here it is.
This is the Spud Goodman Show. This is Louie Anderson, and I'm listening to the Spud Goodman Show to find out what dumb thing he's going to say next. Uh, Spud, your first guest, Michael Mando, is waiting to speak with you. Now, I know Michael's been on before, right? Yes. I- is he a professional athlete or a musician? I've forgotten. He's a freaking great actor. He, he co-stars in Better Call Saul. How, how could you forget that? Yeah, well, if I was given a show schedule and a briefing on who was on the show like everyone else, I would have remembered. Shut up and dribble. Yeah, well, it is what it is, Gerald. You continue to be a security risk with show information. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really bummed because this is the last season of Better Call Saul. Uh, I'm really going to miss it. Oh, Michael was really good in Breaking Bad, but he's really grown as an actor now in Better Call Saul. There you guys go again about that Breaking Bad show. You know, I still have that on my list of shows to check out. Uh, What time is that on TV? Too late, you know. Uh, dude, that's been off the air for years now, but, but no. you can find it on demand. Better Call Saul is the prequel, okay? So watch them in any order you want, but do watch them as they're great shows. Uh, just put Michael through, please. Yeah, okay, here he is. Welcome back to the show, actor Michael Mando. Uh, thanks for checking in with us. Thanks for having me, Spud. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so... One of the best American TV series on the air that you co-star in, Better Call Saul, airing on AMC, Monday nights, and available on demand, is about to say goodbye after six seasons. I, I don't want to get emotional here, but, but I'm going to really miss it. Combined with Breaking Bad, which aired for five seasons, there's going to be a very large void in our lives. Uh, maybe I can join a support group after the last episode airs. I can't be the only one that's, that's, uh, that's thinking about this. <laughs> That's really funny. Thank you so much for that. Um, you know, it's, the, the show, the show, and the character of Nacho have come to mean so much to so many people, and it's just been such an unbelievable ride. And we're so grateful. This is our biggest, best season, our final season, and the Breaking Bad universe and the Better Call Saul universe are going to collide in ways that no one, no one could see coming. It's just, um, it's just that one word to describe it is wow. The, the, the writers really outdo themselves. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I don't think there'll, there'll be a happy ending for most of the characters on the show. I, I know Nacho, uh, your character is is always just about to get whacked, so it, it's looking especially grim for him. Uh, so, c- can you give us just a couple little tidbits of the final season without you know doing the spoiler thing? Well, I play a character when the whole show is Breaking Bad. I play the the one character that's Breaking Good. And when you're going against the whole current of the show, uh, you, you do put yourself, as you say, in very dangerous situations. But it's not so much as, as when you go, it's why you go. And uh, I think I'm excited to, to see if this character can, you know, hold his integrity and, and uh, whatever his fate is, hopefully he does it for the right reasons. Okay. All right. Yeah, that, that, that Salamanca guy, he's, he's, he's unrelenting. He just, uh, I can't believe he's still alive. But anyway, um, let me ask you this. You know, I've asked other guests about handling the, the final season of their series, and it, it seems to be like a divorce for most, as, as when things wrap for good, people move on to other projects and, and lose touch. How, how's it going to be for you and, and some of the others? Uh, you know, well, to, to, to me, you know, I'm sad to hear that about some people's experiences. 
to me, it's been a celebration, you know, for this character to really peak at the end. The writers give me really my biggest opportunity this season. They told me it was going to be a tour de force performance with a physical, psychological, emotional, with an undertone of spirituality. And that's really where I, what I dream about as an actor is to get to do that. And the character ended up meaning so much to so many people on set that we were really celebrating our departure. You know, the, the crew were wearing nacho shirts and they had uh, tattoos on the, on the last, uh, these kind of temporary tattoos on the last day. And it was really a celebration of all the hard work we've put in over the years. Huh. Um, all right. Uh, well, speaking of preparation uh, for characters, uh, you kind of touched on that a little bit. Uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming, you played uh, supervillain Mac Gargan. Uh, how how did you prepare for that role? Because you know a lot of, a lot of actors try to slip into the profession of the character they'll be portraying. You know, maybe even do the job duties of some positions. You know, prior to filming, <laughs> did, did you spend much time practicing being evil for your you know on your own time prior to shooting it? I read a lot of comic books. You know, I, I, I read all the backstories of the Matt Gargan. You know, he's a detective who turns into the Scorpion, and he turns into Venom. Um, it's just a, a really un unbelievable um, supervillain that, that there's a lot of possibilities to explore. I was specifically more interested in the detective part of it and uh, wondering, you know, trying to figure out what the best backstories for the character was. It, it's a character that I'm excited to explore. Okay, any chance we might see him again? You know, there's always a chance, never say never, and, and I know the Marvel folks are really smart, and, and you know, they're the best at what they do, and uh, when they're when they're ready to, 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 to bring Mac Gargan back, um, I'll be there. Okay, all right, that's for the record. Uh, well, you know, speaking of the Marvel Universe, it, it's, it's kind of like working in the black box within the defense industry. Uh, total secrecy is demanded, <laughs> you know, 24-7. Uh, during filming, did, did you wonder if you were ever under surveillance or had your phone tapped? <laughs> you know, we had Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul come in this season, and that felt like, uh, you know, one of those kind of like secret missions and Mission Impossible because we couldn't get anybody to know that they were there in the city. And I can't believe we pulled it off. So there's a lot of secrecy, and it's all done for the love of the fans. You know, we want them to be surprised. Uh, Spud, if I may cut in here for just a moment, you mentioned the Marvel people are maybe a bit over-concerned about secrecy with their material, but you yourself seem just as paranoid. Uh, on this show, to this day, I have no idea who or uh, what this is again. going to be on the episode until it happens live on the air. Y you, too, are really a control freak. Uh, Michael, just a sec. Yes, I am a bit protective of my intellectual properties with you. And for good reason, you cannot keep a secret. It's a well-known fact around this studio. Well, am I right, Aunt Dorothy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Gerald, like I mentioned earlier, you are the biggest blabbermouth around. You're a super spreader with secrets. I don't blame Spud for blocking you from knowing what's on the show prior to air. Yeah, I have to agree also. Gerald... You're a high-security risk kind of guy. You just can't keep your mouth shut. What? Listen, that is so unfair. I mean, what radio talk show host does not give his co-host a show schedule with what's going to be on the program? 
uh, temporary co-host, and it's a prudent decision as you are a confirmed leaker. Remember when I told you not to tell anyone I was thinking of shaving my chest hair? The very next day, uh, just about everyone in the studio here was making jokes about me. You will remain blocked until further notice. Yeah, uh, it's temporary, permanent co-host, and okay, fine, but I never made a joke about you shaving your chest. I mean, yeah, it did seem a bit weird, but I had your back and your front. Uh, just let me get back to Michael. Okay, I have returned. Well, you portray the character Vass Mort, Mort Montenegro excuse me, in the video game series Far Cry. How much different is that acting gig compared to, say, film and TV? Well, I was lucky because the, the Far Cry stuff was full motion capture, so it's exactly the same, you know. The, the only difference is that you're not wearing the costume or your character, you're wearing a motion capture suit. But the motion capture suit captures your face, body, and voice at the same time, so you're literally physically inside the game. And all your movements and facial expressions are captured in, in data and then transcribed into your digital self. So that was an unbelievable experience, and to get the opportunity to co-create and co-write that character was a real treat. Okay, that's very popular, so, all right. Well, you know, Michael, as an actor, you've been to a bunch of award ceremonies. You yourself have been nominated by the Screen Actors Guild for Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Drama Series, and I believe 2019 and 2021 on Better Call Saul. Have you ever sat in the audience and gotten really mad, like wanting to smack someone, but, you know, kept it together until it was over? Because I wonder if the Oscar slap's going to be a thing at future award ceremonies. Everybody's going to have to learn how to take a punch or something. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Well, you know, I've I've had wonderful experiences. I've got to meet um, at the last Emmys. I got to meet Robert De Niro. Um, oh, cool. And I've got to meet a lot of heroes of mine, you know. So it, I, I have to say, you know, I've I've had quite a good time at those events. Okay, all right. Yeah, maybe it's just a one-off thing. Um, well, let me close with this. <laughs> you know, you got all sorts of stuff going on. So, what's been? I got to ask you this: What has been your most memorable moment on this last season of Better Call Saul? Anything jump out to you? You know this this whole this whole season has been really kind of like my dream role. Uh, they've really called upon me to do all this, you know, tour de force performances, physical, it's psychological, emotional, with undertones of spirituality, and and it was just really everything I wanted in a, in a character, and it's given me a taste of the kind of stuff I want to do next. So I would say this whole season as a whole um, has been really a, a life-changing experience for me. Okay, all right, super. All right, well, let me say again that the final season of Better Call Saul is now airing on AMC and available on demand. Thanks a bunch for spending some time with us again. Well, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the the great questions. I appreciate it. All right, there you have it, Mr. Michael Mando. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. What's going on, man? It's your boy David Oliva. And DJ Jersey. Here rocking with Spud Goodman. With Aunt Dorothy. We got Gerald in the house. Chance the intern. Man, these guys are killing it out here on the Spud Goodman Show, man. Spud Goodman Show. Check me out at Real Olivas. DJ Jersey everything. Listening to Spud Goodman will might be hazardous for your health, but we don't know. We don't care. It's the Spud Goodman show. All the good stuff is hazardous for your health. 
We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. If I could say something right now, you would think the most popular person on this program would be at the top of the list to assume Spud's job if he goes for early retirement. It's not like I would ever want the gig, but Gerald, you're being rather presumptuous, don't you think? You, no, no, I don't think so, Chance. You are a community college intern, and I am a professional broadcaster. I think that this is your way of telling me something. I can honestly say I have never breadcrumbed you, dude. But, you know, the, I, I do kind of believe that this, this could be a thing after hearing more about it. I think it's happened to me a lot with women. At, f at first, they seem to like me. They say a few nice things. You know, they give me hope. When, you, know, you know, like whenever an upcoming holiday is over, I usually get dumped, though. It, it always happens that way. It never happens before their birthdays or before Christmas or Valentine's Day. It's always about like a week later. That has to be breadcrumbing. That's ridiculous. Well, for me in relationships, it's always been easier to get out from them after a big holiday. Nobody wants to ruin someone's Christmas or birthday. It's just common decency. I don't think that would meet the definition of breadcrumbing, Spud. Gerald, do you, do you still have that Red Book magazine so I can read that article too? Well, no, it, it belonged to my dentist. I couldn't take it with me after my appointment, but I'm sure it's still in his waiting room. Okay, so, so can you just drop by his office then, like tomorrow, and borrow it for a few days? Hey, he'll never miss it. There must be a ton of other magazines in the waiting room. Oh, I could never steal a magazine, Spud. That would be wrong. Why don't you just make an appointment with him to get your teeth cleaned and then take it home with you if you can't finish it before they call your name? Uh, wear some loose clothing, you know, to slip it under. Good call, yo. You know I have issues with Dennis. It, it goes way back. Uh, yeah. Maybe our super popular intern could do something constructive for once and go get it. How about a Chance? I'd like to help you out, but I don't feel comfortable asking Dorothy or my parents to drive me to commit a gross misdemeanor. Stop being weak! You know I don't own a car, and I won't take the bus, so sorry I can't help you. But the more I hear about this breadcrumbing thing, the more I think this impacts the interns of the world more than anyone else. I mean, really smart young people are forced to work at companies for free. Seriously, for what? The hope that someday it will pay off? It's good that I have no interest in your job, Spud, or I'd be very bitter right now. The more we talk about this, the more I'm understanding how much of a victim I am of this, you know? I, I don't know how many talks I had with our, our executive pr producer, Lori, and our HR, you know, rep about something she wasn't happy about, and they always ended the corrective action session with the promise, or in fact, the breadcrumbs, that if, if I did my job well, it would open up other opportunities in radio. Yeah, yeah, that's happened. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. Uh, you know, I was not aware that you two were a victim of this. You know, maybe it gives you a greater insight on why I'm so frustrated job-wise right now. Well, not really. I've got bigger things to think about than, than like your going-nowhere career. Oh, I think both of you might be exaggerating this breadcrumbing thing. Just because your careers haven't worked out as well as you both had hoped, it doesn't mean you were the victim of some kind of deception or mistreatment. Oh no. Frankly, Spud, 
You far exceeded whatever I imagined you would do as a talk show host in cable TV, and now the radio. I knew you always wanted to be in the entertainment industry in some fashion, Yeah. but I always assumed it would be as a crew member, like a grip, or maybe a craft services server. Well, if I hadn't gotten my toe in the door as a talk show host, I probably would have tried to get a job in craft services. And you get to hang around movie and TV sets all day, and I'm pretty sure you get to take home all the leftovers. No, seriously. And can you imagine all the leftovers there are with all the actresses who only eat like, I don't know, uh, some asparagus or carrot sticks during the production? I'm so hungry. You know, pretty much the whole dessert table is probably tossed in the garbage at the end of the day. You know, Spud, having access to free food is no reason to explore a career path. Shut up. A job has to be stimulating and emotionally satisfying, not just fill up your refrigerator. Well, I disagree, man, okay? I've been on sets before. The food is amazing. If I'm forced into early retirement, then I am putting my application in at companies that handle craft services. It's a necessary and very, very important arm of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, can you check and see if our next guest is ready to go? Uh, yeah, and I'm being told by the board that your next guest, Courtney Vance, is ready to speak with you. Now, I know who Courtney is as he's been on Law & Order. He's an actor, right? Yeah, an actor who's won a ton of awards over the years like a couple Emmys, a Tony, and nominated for a Grammy, too. This guy has been really successful in the entertainment industry. He has major skills. And did you know his wife is Angela Bassett? That is a massively talented couple. Yes, they are. And I won't forget his performance as Johnny Cochran in the series The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Uh, didn't he win that case? Can you keep a secret? Uh, why don't you Google that one after you put him through, okay? Okay, I will, and here he is. Please welcome actor Courtney Vance. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, you have a new series, 61st Street, now airing on AMC Sunday nights at 10, 9 Central, and, of course, available on demand. I've seen the first couple episodes, and it's it's compelling television. Very intense. I like it a lot. Uh, could, could you give our listeners a brief description of the show? Uh, well, uh, I, I'm a public defender that I've been doing it for... 30 years in Chicago, and I'm about to retire, two weeks from retiring, and uh, I'm going to, uh, to flip with my wife. She's heading into politics, and uh, I'm going to go home and take care of our 16-year-old uh, autistic son who's on the spectrum, and, mm -hmm. and uh, just as I'm settling into the transition, life happens. A young man is, who's done everything right uh, in the community. Uh, He's about to go to college the next morning and uh, scholarship and probably go to the Olympics. He's a track star. And uh, he and his brother are walking through the, the neighborhood. They're unaffiliated. The neighborhood lifts them up because of that and, and uh, protects them. And uh, the, the two gangs, the uh, rival gangs, are being stung by the police unbeknownst to the two young men. And they mm -hmm. happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. And uh, the Moses... To protect himself, he runs. Now, who knew that that if you run from a police who's trying to uh, to arrest you, that is guilt. Um, so he runs, and 
in the scuffle between he and the policeman, the policeman is, falls back and, and hits his head and dies. And, mm-hmm. and so it's on now. There's the manhunt for a police uh, killer. And, and I, I find out about it and I said, not today, not that gentleman. No, no. I'm, I'm not a defense attorney, but I learned how to become one. Right. And uh, at the expense of my health and uh, my marriage, uh, I defend uh, this young man. Okay. And, um, and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Well, I'm sure anxious to watch all the episodes because I'm into it. So, well, well, let me ask you this. So, I, I was. It came to mind. You play an attorney in 61st Street, but this is not your first role as a member of the bar. As everyone knows, you played defense attorney Johnny Cochran in The People vs. O.J., district attorney Ron Carver on Law and & Order, and even a jury foreman in 12 Angry Men. You have extensive experience, you know, uh, at le- you know, on camera at least in our judicial system. At this point, do you feel you could do a reasonable job? actually defending a real client in court? <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> I, I know I cannot. Okay. Um, just like I've been in every branch of the military, do I think I can go fight? No, I do not. Okay. So, uh, um, uh, I'm, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing. These, uh, these roles are, are uh, um, uh, you know, have come to me and I've been prepared to, to do uh, justice to them. I am, I'm, I'm uh, Harvard and Yale trained, uh, right? Uh, and so people assume that you know that translates into uh, to playing lawyers. Uh, but you know, but I, I, I remember I was I was asked I wanted to to do Jim uh, in Huck Finn, and they didn't think that the Harvard Yale trained actor could uh, play Jim, uh, and so I had to audition and prove to them that I could be. A slave in the movie, and and uh, so you know it, it's 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 part of core. It comes with the territory. You got to just you know you want to go after you've done this over here. You want to do that over there, and mm-hmm. people want to keep you in a box because they know where where you are. So uh, uh, my wife and I both have been uh, uh, um, able to to uh, to defy um, boxes and uh, and just act and just work. And so that's when we get on sets. We're we're helpful. We're grateful because, by the grace of God, go, uh, go I. That homeless person on the street could be me. So uh, I'm just grateful, man. Right? Yeah. Um, you have been able to do that, obviously, both you and your wife. Uh, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to. Well, let's just say this. I know you don't want to blow your own horn, but you're getting close to entering a very exclusive club. Those mystical EGOT winners. So far, you have two Emmys, a Tony, and have been nominated for a Grammy. It's like you're close to winning the quadruple crown. So my, I was thinking, is it, is it like baseball when the pitcher's in the eighth inning with a no hitter and no one's supposed to talk about it? Because I don't want to jinx you. Uh, I mean, we can move on to the next question, but you're close. Yeah, we. Uh, I am, and I'm just going to keep on working. And uh, wherever I fall out, I, I fall. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, you know, book tapes. Uh, we, we, my wife and I do it all. And you know, just the, the thought that I was up for a, a Grammy was, uh, you know, all. Whenever you're up for any of these awards, all you do is listen for the first syllable of your of your first name. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, I, if I hear, I know I'm in. And if I don't, I start applauding for the other people and keep on stepping. So you know, it's uh, you know my uh, my wife is as amazing as she, an actor as she is. She hasn't gotten those those things. So there's no 
there's no guarantee. So you just, you know, you're just grateful. You know, I, I know Al Pacino and Paul Newman. They, you know, nominated eight times before they could win. You know, um, so you you just keep you keep pressing. You know, uh, and it's it's a it's a blessing to work. All right. Well, I knocked on my desk. I knocked on wood when I said that. But all right. Well, let, let, let me ask you this: uh, In 2007, you and your wife Angela Bassett wrote wrote a book together, "Friends: A Love Story," which I think might give hope to a lot of guys that have been put in the friend zone by the women you know they're interested in. Like, stay friends and don't give up, as things you know maybe can blossom later down the road. Was that true with you two? Well, you know, we we as I, as we said, we started off as friends. We were with other people. Um, for a, a good number of years, so um, it was it was very tricky and uh, to make that transition and and we tried not to because because of that. But uh, you know it ended up that it was she and I that were supposed to be together. So 25 years later, this is our 25th year in October. So we just you know we're just grateful. We got wonderful young people. We're 16 uh, and. Uh, uh, um, we're just uh, every day we're loving on them and hugging on them because uh, two years they'll be gone from us and out in the world. So it's uh, you know it's uh, it's just uh, it's 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 blessing and, uh, and you know you you know that it's uh, you, you only got a limited uh, time here. So just yep. hold on to each other and hug and and appreciate and uh, and and just keep on working and uh, and trying to. Uh, uh, effect change in, in the, the way that we can. All right. Okay. Well, you know, for the record, I, I've never made it out of the friend zone with most of the women in my life, but I, I guess it's kind of like the lottery. <laughs> you can't win if you don't try. So, but anyway, all right. Um, That's we, right. Uh, excuse me, Spud. Yeah? Well, this will just take a few seconds. What? Uh, Courtney, I just need a brief moment here. I'll be right back. Yes, sir. What do you want? Yeah, well, my stomach is a bit upset. Do you think I could get a sip from your Pepto-Bismol bottle that you have there? It, it might help me. No one has ever taken a sip from my Pepto-Bismol bottles. It's my personal beverage of choice. Have, have you ever seen anyone asking for a sip of someone's Starbucks coffee? It's just not done in a civilized society. So the answer is no. Yeah, oh, no. My wife and I always share a Starbucks coffee. And we often share a snow cone together, too. Some things in life are not meant to be shared with. And Pepto-Bismol is at the top of the list. Now let me get back to Courtney. All right. I have returned. Thank you. Uh, well, all right, I know you got a scoot, so let me say again that your new AMC series, 61st Street, is now airing on AMC Sunday nights at 10, 9 Central. Thanks a whole lot for spending some time with us. Thank you so much for having me. You're a wonderful host, and you have a great radio program. I know your audience members appreciate you greatly. Well, thank you. Uh, Mr. Courtney Vance. This is the Spud Goodman Show. I'm still not over my surprise. All right, back to the music. This tune is by the Olympia band Oh Rose, and it was released, I believe, in 2015. Here is Lottery.
this is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Uh, Spud, your last guest, Paul White, or or is his name The Big Show? Uh, I heard Trevor talking about him, and I guess he's a really famous wrestler. Uh, you know, I was the manager of the wrestling team back in high school, and I learned a oh, lot. Gerald, Gerald. No one wants to hear about your career as the manager of your high school wrestling team again. We've well, heard all about that. You know, I interviewed Paul years ago on my cable TV show. Uh, he was then called the Giant, and uh, my God, is he a very large man. It was kind of scary, and uh, sort of glad this interview's on the radio. Well, Spud, my extensive experience being around wrestlers is that they are seldom physically or verbally abu uh, aggressive or abusive outside of competition. You know what I mean. I mean, sure, I was occasionally harassed by a few of the seniors when I was a sophomore. But as a rule, hey, I, really I, I, th I think there's a bit of difference between high school wrestlers and someone who's been in a WrestleMania event. Paul is legendary. Oh, yeah. I know the big show. He's quite a hunk. A very sexy wrestler. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, just put him through before he hangs up on me. Yeah, uh, got it. Here he is. Say hello to wrestling icon Paul White, better known as The Big Show, and prior to that, The Giant. Thanks for coming on our radio show. Thank you very, very much for having me. Yeah, what should I use? Paul, Big, or just The? <laughs> It's funny, man. I, I answer to a lot of adjectives, um, a few nouns every now and then. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, Paul works for now. All right. For now, it's fine. Uh, I'm not having an identity crisis. Just cause I think just for for uh, conversation's sake, Paul sounds good. All right, cool. Well, I know you don't remember me, but I interviewed you for my TV show many, many years ago in the ring prior to one of your matches. It was in Seattle when you were the Giant. And to this day, I consider myself very lucky you did not squish me like an empty can of Diet Coke. My late mother, uh, may she rest in peace, was a bit concerned for me that night, and my belated thanks. So, <laughs> But anyway. I, I bet. I'm, I'm, it's good to be back with you again, and uh, I know it's funny, like I'm I'm this big monstrous human being, but actually on the inside, I'm a giant nerd. I, I read a lot of books. I play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm a oh. science fiction fan. So, oh. yeah, I'm just a big nerd. Just a nerd that also can, you know, crush cans of Diet Coke with one hand. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so you're now promoting a live action NFT series, Gen Zeros. Give us a scoop on what this is. Is I'm still not totally clear what that NFT stuff is. Well, you know, it's hard to explain because I think the vernacular isn't common enough for people to understand now. When you say NFT, it's a non-fungible token. And what is that? Well, the token is a, in the digital verse is, is something that you own, that you buy, a part of. It's, it's a form of currency. It's a form of, of ownership, um, uh, like a stock or something like that. Trying to get the vernacular to explain to everyone what it is. And with Gen Zeros, what are you buying an NFT Gen Zeros token for? What you're doing is you're getting a, uh, a ticket to basically view the episodes and the comic books that we have involved with our storytelling. Uh, we have a story of a, you know, uh, 200 years after an alien invasion that basically left us in a post-apocalyptic world. Okay. 90% uh, of the population is wiped out. Most of the natural resources have been drained. 
this particular alien race harvests our planet every few hundred thousand years, enough time for the oceans to kind of fill back up and whatnot, and then they'll come back by and harvest us like a crab trap. So um, to, to explain it as simply yeah. as possible. Okay. Spud, I would like to make a comment here. Okay. You know, this guest is really smart to be in that NFT world. Uh, as I had mentioned on a recent show, too, uh, you know, I did buy that doodle from Eric Estrada. Now, if Mr. Wright or Big Show, uh, I guess we're both forward thinkers. Uh, you know, I-, I am sorry, but I need to respond to something here in the studio, Paul. I'll be right back. All right. Dude, you only own one of those NFT thingies, that Eric Estrada doodle or whatever the hell it is. Don't try and compare yourself to all the crypto magnets uh, that are out there right now. They're everywhere, from what I read. In your mind and your wardrobe, you still reside in 1996 or so. Like, how many VCRs do you still use daily again? Well, just the one in the living room. And, well, and one in our bedroom. My wife likes to watch old episodes of Dynasty. I recorded all of them for her years ago. And Spud, VCRs are still a viable home entertainment product. Gerald, do you still own a beeper too? I thought I saw one on your belt the other day. Yeah, well, I just use that as a two-way tool to communicate with my wife. Sort of like a modern silent walkie-talkie. She lets me know when I need to call her. I mean, there's no need to throw our beepers away. I've just repurposed ours. Yeah, I guess a text would be, you know, too much like the Jetsons or something for you to deal with, huh? Anyway, I, I need to finish up this interview, so keep it quiet until I'm done. All right, I'm back. You know, my co-host bought an NFT doodle by actor Eric Estrada and hopes it's someday going to be worth enough to buy a summer home on the ocean somewhere. But I hope he's wrong because I'm kind of the jealous type. But anyway, well, let me ask, <laughs> let me ask you a couple uh, uh, wrestling questions before we go. Uh, have you counted how many wrestling matches you participated in over the years? Because you're on wrestling trading cards, just like baseball players. What, what would your career stats say regarding wins and losses on the back? Do they keep those records in wrestling? No, they don't. It's funny. In AEW, it's funny. the different philosophy. Like in AEW, Tony Khan is very, uh, very conscious of wins and losses with his talent. You know, it's a different different format. Like some fans are very concerned about wins and losses. I have a different philosophy on wins and losses. I've probably had, I don't know, a couple thousand matches maybe. I have no idea. I have no idea how many matches I've won or lost. I don't know if I've won more or lost more. I never looked at wrestling as uh, to be successful I have to win every match. My goal has always been to give the best match I can for my fans, for the fans. Like I don't, uh, I'm sure everybody loves a winner, you know, but at the same time to support a brand and build a product and make people enjoy the show, sometimes people love a good contest. Yeah. So for me, um, some of the best matches I've ever had are matches I, I, I haven't won. Right. I've done a great job of building another character, of building another talent. And sometimes, you know, when the crowd's counting one, two, three, and your shoulders are getting pinned, there's a really good feeling to that. Taking your ego out of it. Right. I think right. that's the thing to be successful as long as I have in this business is I've taken my ego out of it. You know, I, I, I don't really, I'm not really concerned about championships that I've won or, or any of that stuff in the past. My attitude's always been, what's today, what's tomorrow, how do we give the fans tonight an amazing show, and how do we make sure they want to come back 
next time we're in town. Right. Same thing with Gen Zeros. How do we make sure that those that, that go to GenZeros.com and, and get their ticket in and be a part of Gen Zeros, how do we make sure that they have the best experience, that they're rewarded for being a part of it, and how they continue to, to want to be more of a part of it? Yeah, you know, uh, speaking of putting on a good show, we had, we've had Nick Foley on the show a couple times, and he said his third... Oh, isn't he amazing? Oh, he is. He's he said his third, his third Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker in Pittsburgh, I believe it was 1998, almost killed him, a match that was pretty wild. Have yeah. you had any moments in the ring where you were a little concerned for your health? Because I know that others have been, like me, doing that interview with you. No, no, it's funny. You know, I, It's funny, it's the second question I've been asked today about that, because, you know, somebody asked if... I'd ever been really hurt in the ring by an opponent, like you know, like uh, I think Mark Henry got a broken orbital bone because somebody punched him. Uh, I've been lucky. Like most of the damage in the ring that's happened to me, I've done to myself. <laughs> okay, all right. You know, so um, I've been very fortunate. I've never, I don't think I've ever been in a spot where it's been. Uh, I've been, I think the only time that I might have been a little bit like, wow, this isn't cool was in the uh, stretcher match with Brock Lesnar where he jacked the forklift like 25 feet in the air when I was oh. laying on the pallet oh. in the stretcher because it was a little bit wobbly and you're trying to be limp and knocked out because you're on a stretcher but it's not very stable and you're like 20-something feet in the air and the guy is driving a forklift like a lunatic and you're trying to hold on but there's nothing really holding the... The stretcher on the forklift, and uh-huh. like there's, there was one of those kind of things that you didn't think about it until you were in it. And go, wow, this is this is not very safe. Oh like, no, I could fall from here. Heck yeah! <laughs> All right, well, I know you got to go. I appreciate you sharing that. So l- let me just say again, hey, thank you. That the live action NFT series Gen Zeros is now available, so people need to to check them out. Uh, I just want to thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, you know, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and uh, hopefully I come to Seattle, i get to chat with you again. Just our fans, if you're a science fiction fan and you don't want to miss out on GenZeros.com, and it'll give you a chance to be a part of the Gen Zeros community. And with that token, you're going to get access to unique materials and, and unique episodes and uh, be part of a really cool thing. All right. There you have it, Mr. Paul White. But I'm being told we have a caller on hold who wants to wade into this breadcrumbing topic that we're having. Uh, should I have Trevor put it through? I know you like to take at least one call per show. Yeah, hopefully it's someone who is maybe even just a tiny bit compelling. Because lately we've been getting mostly less than stellar callers. Yeah. Can you ask Trevor for his take on, on this guy or woman or whoever it is? I, I trust his judgment. Trevor is busy right now. You know he has low blood sugar issues, so he's eating his required snack right now. I don't want to bother him. I can just send the caller through. Oh, sweetie, you are so impressive in how you're confronting the daily crises you face, both here at work and in your personal life. You really are a born leader. Thank you, Dorothy. I do pride myself on my problem-solving skills. That's so hot. Just put the damn caller through. Uh, Hey, caller, you're on the air. Uh, thanks for uh, not keeping me on hold any longer. I mean, I can hear the show while I'm waiting, but I'll be honest here. I was getting a little bored. Uh, I've called in before. Hey, do you recognize my voice? 
Not really. And you say you're bored? Do you have, like, ADHD issues or something? I don't think the show's been boring at all. Uh, well, not really not that boring, man, okay? I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of uh, just disagree my... with you there. Uh, yeah. uh, it's just my opinion. Anyway, I was calling about that breadcrumbing thing you were talking about. Right. I, I think you're onto something. Uh, I'd never uh, heard this described before, but I, I know it's real because... I was breadcrumbed by my best friend. Well, and you know, formerly best friend. Yeah. We grew up together and hung out all the time until recently when our friendship became, uh, well, let's say, strained. Okay. Things are not good between us right now, and it's going. tough, you know, like okay. like being divorced and feeling a little lonely. Like I said, he, you know, was my best friend. Yeah. Well, sorry to hear that, but. This is not the Dr. Phil show. I really can't do much to repair your friendship. If, if there's money involved, why don't you try to get on Judge Judy's show? She might be able to mediate the matter. No, no, no. It's not about money. I, I wish it was that simple. No, it's about a breach of our friendship. And it centers around me being barred from our poker parties every other Thursday. I mean, I played in those for like 15 years and even hosted them at my apartment. Okay. And now I'm persona non grata. I'm asking to be allowed back in the group, but uh, they keep giving me the runaround. They say that they would like to have me back in the group, but that never happens. I think the reason why is I've just been, like, so unhappy. Uh, You know, caller, you must have done something serious to be banned from your friends' gatherings. Uh, Could you share with us what that was? Yeah, caller. They probably don't want to play poker with you for a good reason. Did you sleep with one of their wives? (laughs) <laughs> Me? No way. I'm the only single guy in the group, but I'd never do that. No, get this. I was told I have horrible musical tastes. When I hosted the poker games, I'd play some of my favorite CDs, and I guess uh, some of the guys didn't care for what I played. And then you wonder why some people don't like me, folks. <laughs> well, I know I won't allow friends who have lame taste in music to play their stuff around me. They have to wait until I leave. Uh, no, 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 but I mean, I mean, I've got a really great CD collection. Some really awesome stuff. Well, like what? What do you play that upsets everyone? <laughs> Come on. Stuff most people love. You know, like the snake. The snake? I've, I've never heard of them. White snake. And a uh, winger. Uh. And of course, damn Yankees. Hey, some of Nuge's solos are incredible. And occasionally I pay a, play a bit of Creed. I, that's frankly offensive. I can't imagine why they quit coming to your place to play poker. I mean, uh, why won't they invite you to where they have, you know, where they're playing now and they have total control over the music? Well, well, I heard one of them say that they're not happy when I would bring some of my CDs to their houses to listen to while we played. Uh, I guess that was one step too far for them. But You think? what's What's so aggravating is they keep hinting at lifting my band, but it never happens. I mean... Like last month, my former best friend asked to borrow my truck to move some furniture for his mother. When I gave him the keys, he said he'd ask the other guys if my band could be lifted. But I haven't heard a word from him since. A couple of the other guys have also asked me for favors, too. You know, saying stuff like, uh, oh, it was time for me to be allowed back into the poker games. But it never happens. I'm beginning to see why your wife left you. Well, you know, I guess this is an example of breadcrumbing. Not that your situation is as hurtful and career-damaging as mine, but I do understand why you're offended. I don't see this guy being banned from those poker games as a big deal. 
Caller, you keep getting punked by your so-called friends. If they were going to let you back in their group, it would have happened already. The next time they ask you for a favor or your help, try the Trump angle. Go with what he got impeached for. There was no quid pro quo. Just squeeze them until they give you what you want. Oh, yeah. Trump's extortion attempt worked out well, didn't it? You guys. Donald Trump did not try to extort anyone. He just wanted to get to the bottom of a couple of the world's greatest still unanswered questions. Like, uh, where is Hillary Clinton's server at? And what is really on Hunter Biden's laptop? You stupid, ignorant son of a dumb uh, Listen, I don't, I don't want to go down the Trump rabbit hole right now as I have to wrap up the show. Hey, caller, I'm sorry we weren't able to offer much support for your situation, but, but think about it on the plus side. You probably have saved a ton of dough not playing in those poker games. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I seldom won, but I do miss the camaraderie. Thanks, I guess, for taking my call. Uh, uh, I don't think I'll call again, but at least now I know what's happening to me. It's clearly breadcrumbing. I had no idea. Aloha. That caller was a real whiner. Yeah, it really. All right. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Hey, uh, uh, Spud. Will you commit here on the air that you will cease breadcrumbing me? I I would really appreciate it. Dude, I already signed off, and now I am off the clock. Gotta go. Later. Well, okay. How how about you guys? Uh, At Chance and I have to go also. See you tomorrow. Bye. Uh... Oh, okay, I, I know you guys are still in the control room. Can I ask if you see my point here? Hello? The Spud Goodman Show was written and directed by Spud Goodman, executive producer Lori Madsen, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Hello? Engineered by Trevor Jastad and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Associate producer TJ Pike. Hello? Video director Jason W. Young of Random Whispers Studios. Production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. Okay. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2022 Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking.